Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier, on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us, marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is Dave Jolly. That is Harmadile, our technical producer. The man at the controls is Grady Sass. Canucks Conversation is brought to you by the 2023 Toyota BZ4X. The BZ4X is Toyota's brand new all-electric SUV that is designed to go the distance for you and your family. The BZ4X is packed with Toyota's coolest tech, but it still has that trusty SUV feel you know and love. And even though it's electric, it's capable of effortlessly conquering any terrain. Whether it's rain, snow, mud, or your friend's questionable post-game recaps, the BZ4X will get you through. We are coming to you from the iconic Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. Looking for your next meeting space? Contact the Wall Center for all your event needs at sales at wallcenter.com. Look at that BZ4X. Beautiful BZ4X. ShopToyota.ca or your local Pacific Toyota dealer. Harm, where do you want to start? Man, what a letdown. It's... So, the title of today's show is, so it wasn't quite Best on Best in Boston, because yesterday's show title, I put it as Best on Best as Canucks Visit Boston. Well, this is what I get for calling the Bruins frauds yesterday, which, by the way, I haven't changed my mind after one game, but that was tough, and it's one thing to lose, but even from the perspective of at least having entertaining hockey in a close game, an interesting matchup. We didn't come close to that. And especially for the way it happened, 30 seconds in Brad Marchand, of all people, opening the scoring. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. It brought back the same feelings as 2011. The same <laughs> feeling of hopelessness when the Canucks played uh, at TD Garden. And just the idea that the game's over as soon as the puck is dropped. The all-too-familiar final score of 4-0. to There were two games in 2011 that ended against with the Boston Bruins having four and the Vancouver Canucks having zero. And obviously, Game 7 at Rogers Arena was one of those games. Uh, this one from Logan Van Dyke. Who else spent the remainder of the evening in the fetal position suffering from 2011 flashbacks? One thing I'm proud of, Harm, when I look back, is yesterday... We didn't run highlights or lowlights of 2011. Like we didn't, we didn't stay too much on the 2011. Oh, this is their chance to get some revenge. Although it felt like that in the fan base, we didn't run 2011 clips and we're not going to run highlights from last night's game. We never really run highlights, but yeah, I'm proud of that in retrospect that we didn't subject fans to remembering 2011 and who, who could forget, but remembering it as they watched our show. And then an hour later, 
basically having to relive it. It was especially frustrating because, and one thing before we continue this conversation, I, I think we all know big picture. It's not a huge deal, huge deal, right? It's the first regulation loss since January 4th against the Blues. The Canucks were due for a stinker. You look at Boston themselves, the other night in, on Tuesday, I believe it was, they had a 4-1 huge, huge loss against Calgary where Jim Montgomery ca- called them out. So elite teams have games like this from time to time. And plus this idea that, oh, they choke in big games, I don't buy that, or even against top quality opponents because they've beaten Edmonton three times. They've beaten the Rangers. They've beaten Carolina twice. They've beaten Florida twice. They've beaten Tampa. They've split Dallas. They've shown that they can beat quality opponents. Plus the circumstances of how they lost. I mean, two short-handed goals against. Of course, that's been a recent trend, but big picture, that's an anomaly. Uh, they have a they had a lot of offensive looks that they just didn't bury that they usually bury. Their top players were were brutal, which is a pretty rare occurrence. So none of this worries me. But it takes me back to that Leafs game in November where the Canucks were rolling so well, and you know that it's a marquee matchup. A lot of eyeballs are going to be on this game, and you're just like. Yeah, you were due for a stinker, but why against that team right now when everyone is watching? Yeah, that's what it comes down to. This was a marquee matchup. We were promoting it as such on our show when we talked about it. The rights holder was calling it a potential Stanley Cup final preview. Uh, This is your one chance, Harm. Yesterday, you said that Carolina and Florida are the teams in the Cup final that you worry about more. Do you want to backtrack at all? No. I love it. I I mean, look, somebody has to make it out of the East and look, with some luck, could the Bruins go all the way? Yeah, but I'm just saying on paper, I view Carolina and Florida as better teams. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, we're not going to dive into the lobster takes, but Connor Garland did host the players for some lobster rolls at his home in Boston uh, before the game. It was the night before. It wasn't like the morning of or anything like that. We're not going to do the lobster takes uh, on this show, but uh, I did find it interesting This game started the way that the Canucks' last three games have started. If you go back to Columbus, January 27th. Canucks get a power play, and then they give up a shorthanded goal. And like you said, Brad Marchand, last guy you want to give one up to, uh, Brad Marchand. I don't want to go through all the goals. Actually, no, yeah, I do. I do want to go through all the goals. Um, Let's start with the back-to-back. It was back-to-back, the shorthanded goals, right? The Bruins' first two goals were shorthanded? I think so, yeah. Correct. Uh, so let's hear the let's hear the clip here, Grady. Uh, Rick Tockett not calling out his players by name because remember last time he kind of did that. He wasn't very happy with how media ran with it. Uh, not calling out his top players, but mentioning Boston's top players. And I don't know if this is the clip again, but mentioning Boston's top players and then saying, "And our guys need to be better." And you know, hey, we need a couple guys here. Let's go. I mean, come on. It's they were good tonight. Some guys, and they have been good. Frankly, last. You know, these are this, when you, these are big time games. You know, Marshawn and Pasternak, you know, great players, and they showed up. You know, we got to have that kind of thing. Now, listen, there's our first loss in, like, I don't know how many games, 13, 14, so I can't get too critical, but these are big games you'd like to see a little bit better from some guys, and, you know, those two short the, the short end goals really is, a, is something you cannot do in big critical games. You just can't. Who... Who's breathing into the mic? <laughs> Did you hear that? That yeah. wasn't us, folks. That was from the Canucks audio. Like, that was the scrum audio. Someone was just breathing into the mic. Yeah, I don't know. Let's talk, about, <laughs> let's talk about what Tockett actually said um, in there. And like I said, he, you know, he calls out his pl- top players without calling out his top players. 
by name, but we know who he's talking about. Um, JT Miller has the bad giveaway on one of the shorthanded goals. Uh, the first one, I believe it was the first one, Miller has the worst effort of anybody to defend. And I know you're not thinking defense when you're on the power play, but Elias Pedersen too. Like, I think you can mention him in that same breath. Uh, EP40 finishes as a minus four on the night. Plays just over three minutes in the second period. He was benched uh, for much of the second period or some of the second period. Finished with three minutes. A little over three minutes of ice time. What do you think about those goals? Well, before we even mention um, Pedersen's ice time, JT played less than Pedersen too. And I think really the top players what we we heard that we heard the clip from talk it he was just speaking facts i mean mm-hmm. Pedersen was brutal miller was brutal quinn hughes was bobbling pox he wasn't at his best i mean there was even a play in the defensive zone where he stumbled and the bruins generated a, a high danger chance how many times does quinn hughes stumble and lose an yep. edge in the defensive zone leading to a defensive breakdown the first shorthanded goal against look it's one thing to be turning pox over that's going to happen from time to time. Every power play does it where they're going to make a mistake and the opposition is going to have a chance to regain possession, but it's the lack of intensity back checking and trying to cover the players that are on the other team that are trying to create chances. That annoys me. It, it even goes back to when Carolina scored their shorthanded goal the other night with I believe it was the second unit, right? Because the first unit had the failed entry, and then it was the second unit guys. I think Lafferty was involved. Uh, Hronik was involved. Covering Martinuk at the net front, they're lackadaisical. They're not applying any yep. pressure. There's no urgency. Same, same thing on that goal. I mean, Miller, on the initial sort of dump, and no effort to come deep in the defensive zone. Nobody contesting Marshawn, but not just him. I thought Lindholm was slow to close coil at the wall who made the pass to Marshand. Yep. Pedersen was also in that front area. And if Miller isn't taking Marshand, Pedersen needs to do it. It's that lack of intensity that I can understand. Look, mistakes are going to happen. You're going to turn pox over, but if you make a mistake, where's the urgency to get on your horse and get the puck back? That that's what annoys me a little bit more. And even when Miller turned the puck over on uh, the second short-handed goal. I-, I didn't like Patterson's intensity on the back check. Yep. I don't know if he was just tired, what the situation was, but to me, that's a back check where he needs to make it more difficult on the Blue- Bruins player there. So that's what really stands out to me about those short-handed sequences is, again, I can live with the turnovers. You don't want to see it, but there's got to be way more intensity coming back to recover. Uh, I think Rick Sarkett would agree with you. Here's him talking about the shorthanded goals, and those just have to stop. We talked about our pre-scout power play meeting. They they go for it. You have to defend. You that means you have to defend. You can't go for escape. Can't go for escape, and you have to defend. And, and that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier. Is it's just it's a mindset thing. It's just a mindset. And when you're on the power play, you're thinking offense, and rightfully so. But when there's that switch, when they start hunting, as Talkit said. You have to make that switch. Like you have to make that switch and you have to start committing to playing something resembling defense. Uh, I think we both have more takes on this. You're going to talk about Pedersen in the tune-up brought to you by Mr. Lube. Um, But let's get to our guest today, who is Dave Hall. And he is brought to you by our friends at Four Winds Brewing. Family owned and operated in Delta, home to the Four Winds Light, Light Lager, a crisp, clean, and easy drinking beer. 
A beer for everyone, a perfect beer for before, after, or during the game, especially ones like last night. Ask for Four Winds Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered right to your door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. Let's bring him in, Dave Hall. Uh, Dave, what was your thoughts on last night's game? Where were you in 2011, and how much did last night remind you of 2011? Last night, luckily, was one of the first games I've missed all year. Uh, turns out it was a good call on my end. Um, I just also got to say, just love the honesty by Talkit. He's just, I just love listening to his, his stuff. But yeah, luckily, it was a good one to miss. Um, and 2011, I was working at Dairy Queen and uh, living in Victoria. So there it is. Hell yeah. Did you you watch Game 7 or did you have to miss that one? I, I, I have a bit of a story about it. Um, I it's a long one, so I'm, it's not uh, for today, but I did actually end up downtown Vancouver very last minute, and it was one of the worst nights ever, so. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to get you right that for CanucksArmy.com, right? You're yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a story, but. Yeah, right. I was there too, downtown. It was oh, terrible. Oh, I did yeah. know that. Okay, I did know that. I was at home in the safety, the gated community of North Burnaby. Um, yeah, that's good for good you. Time. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a good time, but it was a good time being at home and all that uh okay it's tom lander's birthday today dave he's got yep. three goals and 10 assists i was looking at his hockey db page he's playing with a top flight partner in lane hudson if i'm correct about that and he's on a pretty solid team 13 points through 24 games for a top 10 pick <clears throat> are you at all concerned like should canucks fans be concerned because i looked at his hockey db page and man as a hockey db prospect expert i uh i'm alarmed by that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think he's, that's just over half a point a game, which, you know, the, so when he first came into the league in October, there's so many adjustments going on. You know, he's got a new country, a new rink, new team, everything, you name it, he's adjusting to it. So there are so many justifications for him not putting up points, maybe having an off night. Uh, the nice thing was, was that his defensive game was on point. He's, his skating is obviously phenomenal. He's aggressive as heck. Uh, so he's doing all the right things in that area. Now that we've, we're trending towards the end of the season here, I think we're at the point where we are starting to look for a little bit more in the offensive department. Now, as you alluded to, he came back from Sweden. He, had, he was playing second pair of minutes, got a nice little streak there. He had a good four-game streak of points, which was nice. Jay Pandolfel elevated him to that top line. And to be honest, you know, we're all licking our chops when he gets on Lane Hudson's line. We're thinking that this is the progression we're hoping for. It's time to get that offense going. And we just didn't really see it. Um, overall, like his decision-making just hasn't really gotten there. His shot selection just hasn't really been there. Um, now he's actually been demoted again to the second pairing, which isn't very shocking. Um, you know, they had a pretty solidified top pairing of Lane Hudson and Casey or Case McCarthy, who played all last season. So it's not really shocking that he didn't make the cut on a full-time basis, but we definitely were hoping to see a little more. I, are we worried? I don't think we have anything to be worried. The nice thing is, is on the defensive end, he's still his same old Tom Willander. He's aggressive. He's still doing everything we want him to. Now we just got to get that offense going. And, you know, it's one thing, it, he has been very vocal about him trying to get that offense going. And so you got to wonder if maybe now it's a bit of a case of him trying to do a little too much. Maybe he's thinking a little too hard about that offense. So it'll be nice for him just to kind of settle in and just, you know, kind of get back to his game. Now, the nice thing is, is next year, not only Lane Hudson should be gone, but two of their veteran defensemen should also be to, gone as well as Lane Hudson. So by all accounts, next year should be Tom Melander's 
basically the defensive corps should be his for the taking for all those minutes. And so if we're having this conversation this time next year, then yes, we're, we're hitting the panic button. But I think just as of right now, it's just, it's an adjustment year. It hasn't been great. Hasn't been terrible. It just, it is, you know, you're just hoping for a little bit more from an 11th overall pick. Dave, you recently wrote about on Canucks army, Hunter Brustevich and basically making the point that the Canucks did well to sell high on him as part of the Elias Lindholm trade. Can you walk us through your thought process? <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those things where it just seems so counterintuitive to be trading someone that is on the verge of a 100-point OHL season, uh, potentially. He has been pointless in six games, which has kind of taken that, you know, we'll see what happens. But I just think overall, he's a really solid defenseman. Like, don't get it twisted at all. Like, I hope I didn't put that out there to, to say that he's not a good defenseman. He should be, by all accounts, a, a top-four defenseman. It's just there's a few things that still kind of alarm you in his game, mainly just like he does. You're just, you're wondering if the pace, if he'll be able to keep up at the NHL level, you know, he gets burned right now, um, especially on the pivot on the way back. He just, he gets burned quite a few times being caught flat footed. And so you can't help, but wonder if that's going to, you know, compound at the next level. So um, oh, in that sense, you're just, you're, you were always kind of wondering if that was going to be a thing. And now, not only think you think about his pathway, he needs in order for him to be at his highest upside, he needs to be getting power play time. That's just the kind of player he is. And so I don't think Quinn Hughes is going anywhere in the next couple of years. And I think, you know, Tom Willander is probably on track to eventually be in that spot. And so you just kind of wonder where he fits ultimately in in the grand scheme of things. And so I just don't know if you're gonna have a higher value than a third round defenseman who's playing way above his punch, uh, punching well, way above his weight class, whether you're going to have a higher value, he may, you never know. That's the beauty of prospects. You never know. But I just think overall in terms of his value, I don't think you're getting higher than 76 points in the OHL as a defenseman in a, a third round defenseman. Okay. So we were throwing this out on a show recently, Dave, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. Cause you're working on a top 10 for Canucks army right now, right? I know I should know I am, this. Yeah. Okay. So top 10 <laughs> yeah. Canucks prospects, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're bringing that back. Harmon and I were talking about this. I want us to have a new way to cover prospects instead of giving an NHL comparable, which I think is cheap. Give the comparable of their ceiling and their floor. And yes, you can say everybody's floor is Ollie Levy. That's what we discovered. I said everybody <laughs> can become Ollie Levy. Give a player's floor comparable and their ceiling comparable. Does that make sense? I love it. I, I will say the one thing I hate about covering prospects, love prospects. I cannot stand the player comparable. I just don't think it makes like it's so it's impossible. So anyways, continue. So do you do you think this is an okay way to do things though, with a floor comparable and a ceiling comparable? Yeah, I mean, and Oli Levy just being the bottom every time. I love it. I I think that's great. This is amazing. This is going to be the... this. Okay, so this is going to be the Canucks Army kind of uh, model. This is our model. Don't take it. Okay. Arm. Tell your boy Dom to back off. This is our model. <laughs> uh, our model is vibes, as, uh, as is pretty fitting. And everybody is Oli Levy, okay? The floor is Oli okay. Levy for every defenseman we give you. I'm going to give you three prospects. I want oh, a comparable boy. for their ceiling and their floor. And I know I didn't prep you at all for this, but you were on the radio nope. this week. You know what you're doing. So <laughs> I'm going to give you number one. Number one, Aturato. You can't use Ollie Levy. You got to use a center. Who's who's a good center? Who's our floor center? Some AHL guy. Aturato. No, is our, our <laughs> current Aturato is Aturato. No, is not the floor. Uh, Tyler Madden is the floor. Can this person that, become Tyler Madden? Okay. 
Okay, so Aturatu, give us a floor and a ceiling comparable. Oh boy, that's tough. You want a ceiling comparable? I, I know where I have him in terms of where I think he'll play. I just don't know if I have off the top of my head a good player comparable. Oof. What do you think he becomes at the NHL level? Like, do you think his ceiling, his ceiling, his ceiling is as a third line center, or do you think he has that offensive upside to maybe be a second, maybe first line center? No. I don't, to be honest. I, I actually, I, I might get some hate for this, but I actually don't, I don't even know if I see him as a center. I see him, I, I, I can see him going back and forth, definitely. Like he's a good face-off guy. He's great on, you know, two-way. There's no questions about that. I just don't know if he has what it takes to be uh, a top six center, to be honest. Like may, maybe a third line, but I just think ultimately he's he's had most of his success on the wing, in my opinion. And mm. so I just, that, that's a personal thing. Um I, I, I see him like upside, full upside, second line wing. That's that's what I'm putting him pure upside. But I think more likely he's about a third. I, I'm just a, I, I haven't seen a lot from him, especially lately. It's just been it just he hasn't really he hasn't popped out. Let's just say to me in the last couple couple weeks here. Okay, we're not going to make you do three. We're going to make people go to Canucks Army to read the rest of them because I asked the chat, the YouTube live chat, for some questions from you, um, yep. or for you, excuse me. And this one from Quran. Well, Andrew has had poor shot selection going back to his draft year. Does something mm-hmm. have to fundamentally change in his offensive game, or is it just small adjustments? Well, I, I, I think ultimately the, the issue is that he, he was just never really that player. You know what I mean? Like he is—he's a two-way guy. He had—he's also been a forward for most of his life. So I think there's just a lot of a lot of adjustments that need to happen. For him to get that offensive push and so i don't i don't know if it's just a small adjustment i think it's just an overall adjustment to just playing that kind of style of hockey you know what i mean so i, th- I think for me it actually is a bigger it's a small adjustment for the shots i just think overall it's a bit bit of a bigger adjustment just a- as a whole okay ty david i think he might be asking this because his name is also ty he's asking for an update on ty mueller oh he's my guy he, uh yeah <laughs> Yeah, he's he's probably in terms of uh, most uh, I'll say shocking uh, of the year. Other than Sawyer Minio, for me, it's been Ty Mueller. He's been amazing, to be honest. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say amazing. I've really liked what he's what he got. I know when he was drafted, he got some flack, um, and you know, by all means, he was a fourth. He's a double overager, so for him to go in the fourth round, there was you know, I think the question marks were a bit justifiable. Um, I had concerns myself but to be honest he, he's been great he's kind of a, a swiss army knife he kind of he has that projection uh like for me he's a max Hassan kind of guy you know he, he's a speedy water bug he's got he brings a lot of energy he's got a good shot and he he's a workaholic like he works really hard out there so overall i've been very very impressed with ty Mueller this year i love it all right we'll save them we'll save them we'll have you back Another time. Uh, Adam Morris, I wanted to get this in because Adam said this and it's directed at you. He said he loved the hit on Halford and Bruff and that you are very knowledgeable. And folks, that's why we have Dave on all the time. Dave, uh, thanks so much I for appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate it. And I will, I, I, I will make that. Uh, I'll do the, the, the floor and the ceilings uh, piece coming up here. Well, I, I got a new idea. It, just include it in all of your, your top tens. Be like, Because you're doing the top ten and you're doing honorable yep. mentions over at Canucks Army. That's going to be up soon, folks. And for those that don't know, Dave writes at Canucks Army. You can go find all his ratings at CanucksArmy.com. I just think when you do the profiles, and I'm the boss, so I'm kind of telling you this. Um, <laughs> when you do the profiles, put a floor and a ceiling for each player. I think that's going to be great content. And hell, okay, so we got we can put in the titles just to screw with people. <laughs> well, I mean, not screw with people is the wrong word, but we could put like Tom Willander in the title. This is our headline. Canucks Army prospect report. 
number one or number two, wherever you put them, it's up to you. Uh, Tom Willander is either going to be Ollie Olevi or Adam Fox. And you just throw that as the headline and see what happens. Okay. And then we got Tyler Madden for the center and maybe uh, a Reed Boucher for the wing or something like that. Yes, Reed Boucher. Yeah. There's there's a, there's another one. Nikolai Goldobin. Well, Goldobin played NHL games. Anyways, appreciate it, Dave. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. There Thanks, he is. Dave. Dave Hall. Okay, now we've got a few words from our sponsors before we get to the tune-up brought to you by Mr. Lube first. I got to tell you about HSBC World Rugby 7's Western Canada's largest sporting event this year at the night time the event is visited Vancouver as part of the World Rugby 7 series. Tickets are on sale now at van7s.com starting from just $40 per day. And if you want to go to all three days, we've got a four pack of tickets for the entire weekend from February 23rd to 25th at BC Place to give away. Text hashtag #7s that's S E V E N S to 778 402-9680 for your chance to win. We'll be giving away a four pack each week until the event text hashtag sevens to seven, seven, eight, four, zero, two, nine, six, eight, zero. All right. Um, that was the next one. There it is. All right. Seagram's got to tell you about another sponsor of ours. And that would be Seagram's VO select Canadian whiskey, artfully blended and impeccably crafted. Make it your very own. Originally introduced back in the early 1900s, Seagram's VO was designed as a wedding gift from Joseph E. Seagram for his son. Joseph E. Seagram liked it so much, he put it out on the market, and the rest was history. Seagram's VO went on to become one of the most successful whiskeys to ever come from Canada. Seagram's VO Select is currently available in select BC liquor stores, so visit Seagram's VO Select on the BCLC website, BCLS, excuse me, to purchase or find it in your nearest liquor store. My family's very own whiskey. Barrel-aged and set apart. Marked with VO. Artfully blended. Impeccably crafted. As a wedding gift to my son. For the bride and groom. And now, over a century later, from our very own family to yours. A legacy rooted in whiskey. Seagram's VO. Growing deeper. Reaching out. Raising a glass to your legacy. Seagram's VO. Make it your very own. In the YouTube live chat, if Seagram's allow shorthanded goals, no, they don't. They make sure of that. You know who does? The subject of our uh, next segment, the tune-up, brought to you by Mr. Lube. Let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, I think this one's pretty obvious. The Canucks need more from Elias Pettersson. Jay Pat tweeted out today, I believe, that Pettersson's gone nine games without a five-on-five point. I think when you watch him play, first of all, his puck management has been nearly as sharp in all three zones as it usually is. He's turning a lot of pucks over. And when Pedersen's at his best, there's a level of precision that you see with the stick handling, with his passing, with his decision-making that just seems off right now. Plus, he's the sort of player that if his timing isn't right, if his accuracy and precision is off, well, he doesn't skate like a... Nathan McKinnon or, or Connor McDavid. So you're seeing the, the lack of pace and sort of inability to separate, uh, making we it saw difficult it for him. Chasing to, back too on that second. Yeah. Goal. It's if, if put it this way, if Pedersen isn't picking defenses apart with his intelligence, with his ability to stick handle in tight areas with just how overall smooth he is, then there's no other way he can be a game breaker. That's his way of being a game breaker. He's he, he otherwise doesn't have the dynamic skating to 
create an abundance of chances and drive a line. That's what's been missing right now. And just out of curiosity, I, I wanted to see what some other elite centers in the NHL have had in terms of stretches this season without five and five points. So I looked it up, Sidney Crosby, who's had an incredible season. I think his longest drought, he's had two four-game, three four-game droughts. Actually, I guess Crosby has had quite a few, quite a few of these. So Crosby's had three, three or four stretches where he's gone four games without a five and five point. And he's, he started the, actually, sorry, apologies. That was the wrong season. Forget what I just said about that. Uh, McKinnon and McKinnon and Matthews are both in, in the same range in terms of having gone a max of four to five games without having score, scored a five and five point. So that, Definitely kind of shows you that the clock is, is starting to, to, to tick there. If you're an elite center, you usually don't go this long without uh, producing it evens. Love it. I love it. And I think we should continue this conversation um, on the other side here. But that was the tune-up brought to you by Mr. Lube, the pioneer of the no-appointment warranty-approved oil change, now providing appointment-free tire service and sales. Find them at one of their 16 locations across the lower mainland. To find your nearest location, visit them online at mrlube.com. It's now time for Anyone Else, brought to you by DoorDash. It's our listeners' chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat. And it's also our listeners' chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25, offer valid in Canada, subject to change, terms apply. Okay. Uh, Great job as always, Harm. Uh, we've got a few things that I wanted to get to today, and I'll save the, the big one that I want to get to is a little more serious, and we like to have a lot of fun on this show. So I'll get to it at the end, but it's something I wanted to talk about um, and has to do with the Bell Media layoffs that we just saw. And really, it's not even about, you know, I'm not going to do the whole, well, I might mention it, but I'm not going to do the whole, oh, it was just Bell Let's Talk Day, and then they lay everybody off. I know how a fiscal year works. I understand why it's happening. I understand. I get it. But it's, yeah, it's hypo- hypocritical, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to zero in on that. I'll talk about that later. Get your anyone else's folks. Uh, get your anyone else's in, I should say, folks. And we're going to read them on air here. Logan Van Dyke. Here's one. Is our team speed going to start being a major problem? They looked extra slow yesterday. And I'm not sure the lobster is to blame. Well, when the Canucks have played well, which has been most of the season, I actually think they're one of the fastest teams at pressuring teams forcing them into making quick decisions and just hounding the puck, especially on the four check. I think that's the backbone of how they suffocate teams, how they defend starts with how as a five man unit, they just eliminate time and space from opponents. That isn't necessarily a result of them having the fastest skaters, but more so a combination of them being connected and having a consistently high work rate. And, I think maybe that urgency away from the puck is what's been missing, especially with the top players lately. Uh, Because, I mean, we've at least seen it from the third line, for instance. Yep. I thought was... They were great last night. Really solid last night. Dakota Joshua drawing two penalties. He had a boatload of chances. Nils Hoaglander has consistently brought energy on the fourth line. It's more just the top six. When When they're at their peak in terms of for checking, applying pressure, this team is fast Yep, in terms of how they play. So I don't see team speed as a big issue overall this season. 
Okay, uh, from morning skate today, the video that the Canucks posted, or excuse me, practice, it wasn't a morning skate, it was a practice in Detroit. Uh, JT Miller mentions that he skated with Elias Lindholm today. So we're expecting a shakeup in lines, but because Thomas Drance isn't there, we don't have any actual... Uh, what's Drance doing? Why isn't he there? Well, I'm assuming he wrote off the game, so it's a morning flight, and if your flight... Um... Yeah, I guess, yeah, it doesn't want to go to Detroit. Oh, no. Uh I think Willander plays today in Boston. So I imagine he's uh, he's covering that. Probably going to talk to Willander. I haven't talked to him. Call him. No. Come on. No. Why? You get to meet the top prospect in person, start developing Doesn't he already a relationship, know him? do a feature. Doesn't he already know him? I mean, maybe, but... <laughs> I'm just messing. I just want the lines, man. <laughs> I just want the lines. The Tom Willander feature for the athletic and means nothing. that out there. Yeah, well, hey, that's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Well, exactly. Um, I, I think the athletic likes the Tom Willander feature over fr- Friday practice lines. I know, but uh, that's 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 been my problem with the athletic for years. Is they do not care about Canucks Army nearly enough. <laughs> <laughs> what way, about what I want? By the way, I, I since I'd screwed it up, yeah. I wanted to correct the Crosby thing. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Because I'd gone through the game logs, and then I realized by default, natural stat trick was showing me the 2021 season results. I'm like, come on. So... My mistake, Crosby's only gone. This is actually pretty incredible. He's only gone three games is his longest five-on-five point drought this season. That's pretty nuts. At the age of 36. I mean, he's having a great season, right? He's having a great season. But look, even Crosby, and I know he's his age. This is not a a valid argument at all, but I'm going to throw it out there. Crosby ain't looking for $12.5 a year on a long-term deal anymore. Just throwing it out there. Uh, come on there. quads don't. i'm just throwing it out there i am just saying i'm just saying it, i mean i've seen a lot of that like donnie and dolly had the poll and more than half <laughs> more than half the people were saying Pedersen isn't worth 12 million come on don't let recency bias color you yeah he's been disappointing lately no doubt about it but william nylander just got 11 and a half as a winger like th- this is just Basic market value. I'll tell you that. I'll, I'll I'll put it this way: teams would be lining up to pay Elias Pettersson twelve million. Yeah, you know what? That's that's a really good way of putting it. That's actually the best argument I've heard about it. Is okay. Well, if Canucks fans are gonna be like, "Oh, you can't pay this guy that." I know he's an RFA, folks, but you don't want to start throwing that out there because there's gonna be a lot of teams around the league and a lot of fan bases that will very willingly take Elias Pettersson at twelve million. Grady, you had something for us. Well, I was just gonna say, like, he gets paid what the comp player comps are. Right. One bad game doesn't dictate what happens here. You got to look at the whole body of work and he's on pace to better his point total from last year. Yeah, sure. When he's not on his game, he looks like he's skating in quicksand. But let's not forget the whole body of work here. And, you know, at the same time, too, last night, he was more than deserving for sitting for a few shifts. Yep. Sino check here in the chat. You can critique PD's play in the last five, 10 games, but the guy was an NHL star of the month in two of the four months this season. One of those months, he was the first star in the NHL and for good reason. Uh, I also, I also think that you'll realize this when, and I hope the Canucks don't go through an era like this anytime soon, because before Pedersen and Hughes arrived, we experienced a lot of it. it. You'll realize how good you had it when you don't have a franchise player anymore, when yes. you don't have a guy that could score hundred points 
and your best player is like Bo Horvat. And people were people were trying to trying so hard to make Bo Horvat go, hey, he improved his skating. He's scoring more than we thought he would. Maybe he can be the friend. He's not a franchise setter. Never was, which is fine. That's not who Bo Horvat is. But you're right. When you don't have it, you're going to miss it because you're going to see a lot more Jason Magna. You're going to see a lot more Michael Chaput. This is also the um, issue that Detroit, for example, has has run into. Yes, yeah. Where they have a solid core of players, right? Dylan Larkin, Mo Sider, bringing DeBrinket in, Lucas Raymond. They have some encouraging young pieces, but now they're also in the acceleration phase where they're signing Kopp, they're signing Comfer, they signed Sherratt, they yeah. brought in Petrie. They, they're spending a lot of, of, of their cap space. They're trying to accelerate. And look, they may make the playoffs this year, but in terms of becoming a top team in the NHL, their problem is, do they actually have a superstar? Do exactly. they have a, an Elias Pettersson? Do they have a Quinn Hughes? Do they even have a JT Miller? No. I mean, I guess you could argue that Larkin at his best it could be close to Miller. At his best, though? Miller at his best? I don't think Larkin at his best is Miller at his best. Maybe. I'm not, I'm not crapping on Larkin. I'm, like, Larkin's good, but I think, I think Larkin... Yeah. I think, put it this way, I think Larkin would put up... Switch switch Larkin and Miller in terms of team situations, and I think their point totals would be similar. Because you have to keep in mind, like, when you're Larkin and you don't have any other star talent to play with, besides Debrinket mm-hmm. this year... Like, it's hard to, for example, score a ton of points on the power play. That's fair. When you don't have a lot of weapons. But anyway, the, the point is... And Larkin still scored 30 goals back-to-back seasons, and he's yeah. probably going to do it for a anyway, third straight season. Anyway, like, the point is, they still don't have the star power. Even if you exactly. want to include Miller, you can include Miller. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Yeah, they, they don't. They don't. They just don't have it Um, just yet. And again, that's that's the context of what we're talking about is, yes, this person hasn't had a tough stretch of games. He's gone nine without a five on five point, as you just talked about uh, in the tune up. And that is not good. That is not good for a first line center. I think the concern is that, okay, what if this happens during the playoffs? Because you're not going to have nine games for Elias Pedersen to be not generating anything at five on five. Yeah, that's um, that's a fair question, but he was pretty good in the playoffs in the bubble. And of course the bubble was different, but you didn't see him against the wild and the blues, for example, two of the more physical teams in the Western conference at the time, you didn't see Pedersen shying away or him struggling. Same thing with, um, with Quinn Hughes, both of them, I thought played really well as did JT Miller, as did Bo Horvat. Yep. So it's going to be different this time, but I'm not too concerned about it. And look, if you run into that situation where a guy struggles in the playoffs, the thing to keep in mind is that's where your other stars need to sort of deliver as well. And this is, for example, Florida. Alex Alexander Barkov was not very good in the playoffs. He's having a terrific year this season. But I remember watching Barkov in the postseason and going, he's not really driving a line. He's playing at a level that, yeah, like he he had five points in 16, or sorry, five goals and 16 points in 21 playoff games. It's quiet in the cup final. But that's where Matthew Kachuk, your other star, is playing at an otherworldly level. You have Carter Verhage stepping stepping up, and that's how you're still able to push through. That's the problem the Leafs have run into is, okay, if you have, let's say, a Mitch Marner struggling, well, then you can't also have Austin Matthews and John Tavares, yep. and John, and John Tavares slowing down as well. Who is the player, it might have been a different sport, where they chanted pay your taxes at him? 
Because I think you got to chant that at John Tavares now. <laughs> like, look, I, I'm not trying to make fun of what's going on. Well, I guess I am. That's what I do. Um, but for those that don't know, John Tavares is currently in a legal battle with the CRA about taxes with his signing bonus back in 2018. And they're saying he owes like 37% and he's saying he should only owe 15% comes up to like what is it like eight million dollars it's not it's, it's not change it's a lot of money it's a lot of money um who was it do, do you know what i'm talking about someone in the chat I, help me out who who did fans pay your taxes was the chant who was it they chanted pay your taxes at someone oh floyd mayweather it was floyd oh, mayweather yeah. yes at a uh Connor McGregor press conference in Toronto at the McGregor. Didn't he Mayweather just thing. have an Instagram post lately about writing like a thirty million dollar check to the IRS? No, I don't. I don't I know. I he might have. He might have. Like I'm morning. not saying no. I just haven't seen it. I think that would be great. Wait, Tavares or Mayweather? Mayweather. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> John Tavares. Just having some fun. Just having some fun. Um, I don't even know where to go from here. Um, was there anything else that we had? Let's see. Yeah, okay. People people with some hot PD takes. <laughs> Definitely some hot PD takes in the uh <clears throat> Yeah, some hot PD takes. Let's hear it. Do you, what do you want me to just read them all? Okay, I'm gonna read them you, all. You read Here the disturbed one. I'm gonna read them all. I'm gonna read them all. All right. Uh Sinochek. He was NHL star of the month in October and January. He was also NHL player of the week three times this season. Nick P. Brent Sopel was also an NHL player of the week, is the response. <laughs> was he? Probably at some point. Player of the week, not the month. Come on. But month month is tough to do. Absolutely it is. Okay, Captain Canuck, this is the best chance we have to win a cup. And as it stands, we're still not good enough. Nar, PD is still filling out his frame. I think he'll stop flopping eventually. Sinochick, oh, no. McKinnon reached superstar status in his sixth and seventh seasons. PD is in his sixth season right now. He still has another level to reach logan van dyke if pd could gain 40 pounds that'd be a scary guy uh captain canuck said exactly quads about something i was saying probably i was spitting facts uh trude said i don't care how good pd is on paper in the playoffs we need a matthew kachuk type bruiser that scores that's not pd okay <laughs> let's talk about matthew kachuk in the playoffs for Uh-oh. a second here fired and this up is, Harmon, folks and this is the point where i'm going to lose my mind if Pedersen or Hughes has one bad playoff series and people go, oh, you can't win, win with this guy in the playoffs. You want to know what Matthew Kachuk's track record was before his playoff run <laughs> This in is Florida? a good point. This is a good point. Tell me. Tell, tell the listeners. All right. His first playoff run with the Calgary F- Flames. Zero points in four games. His next playoff run with the Calgary F- Flames. Two goals and one assist. Three points in five games. His third playoff run. His third playoff run <laughs> with the Calgary Flames. Yes. Two points in six games. And by that point, there were there it was the narrative. And again, it's hard to remember. I didn't remember until you brought up as soon as you brought up though, it clicked. There was a narrative from Calgary fans and media alike that Matthew Kachuk was not a playoff performer. He went to sleep in the playoffs. Fourth playoff run. This is the battle of, of Alberta year. This is where mm-hmm. Kachuk and Gaudreau are part of the uh, and Lindholm are part of the best, best line, line in, in hockey. Three forty goal scorers. And this is the year where Edmonton was still too top heavy. They weren't yep. They weren't that uh they weren't that good. They Remember they yeah they they made it through the second round and then they got um swept by Colorado really convincingly. In that run where this is their Calgary's big shot, 10 points in 12 games. It's only PD's it, numbers in the bubble, admittedly, right? But man, 
Yeah, you're right. The Matthew Kachuk thing. I want. Hey, man, uh, Trudes, you gotta have a rebuttal to that. You can't just let Harmon diss you like that. Better, like, better points per game, Elias Patterson than uh, Matthew Kachuk in the playoffs. Yeah, Elias Patterson has had one playoff oh, yes. run back in 2019-20. 17 games played, seven goals, and 11 assists. You take those numbers. Two penalty minutes. That's another part of Patterson's game that we have talked about in the past, and I think is worth mentioning, especially in the playoffs as well. Is the guy is good at drawing penalties. And he's so good at not taking those penalties. Even JT Miller. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about this. JT Miller was terrific in the bubble before that go through his playoff tracker. And this is a guy that you look at and go, he's got the size. He's got the competitiveness, the fire. You, you would look at and go, that's a playoff performer yep. on paper, right? Yeah. He's got first playoff run, two points in four games. Second playoff run, eight points in 19 games. <laughs> this is great. Third one, three and five, fourth, Three and twelve. The next one, eight and seventeen with Tampa. Then two and four. It wasn't until what his one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh playoff run with Vancouver. Okay, that he broke through. Also worth mentioning, he was a third line center on those Tampa teams. He did spend time on the wing with those uh, on on the top line. He just couldn't stick there. That's fair. That's fair enough. But in Vancouver, obviously, is the one you mentioned. Yeah, that's the and one that's that not he... criticism. Like it's the, not. Yeah. The point I'm just trying to make is. One of my biggest pet peeves is this, is this idea that if a guy has one one bad playoff run, one bad playoff series, that he's not a playoff performer. And PD hasn't even had that yet. He hasn't even had a bad playoff run. People are already talking about how he's not a good playoff. I'll, I'll give you an example of a guy that look if you, if it happens like five, six, seven times, like in Artemi Panarin, great example. Yeah, of, of yeah. A guy who's elite in the regular season, but consistently always slows down in the playoffs. No show, Joe. Too. Or John or Johnny Gaudreau. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Like, you want to point to those guys and say they're not player, playoff performers, you can't win, win with them? Fair enough. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a trivia question, okay? Yeah. I just brought up no-show Joe. Joe Thornton, obviously, right? Yeah. Who has never scored, what was it, four or five goals in a game? Four. Four. Never scored four goals in a game. Thank God he hasn't. Whip it out. <laughs> uh, 187 games played for Joe Thornton. Grady, I want you to be a part of this too. Grady, you're going to give a guess. Harmon, you give yours first. Nobody look it up. I already looked it up. My what the bad. hell? I, I didn't know you were going to quit. Sorry. I just said I'm going to quiz you and Harmon looks up the answer. Sorry. Okay, Grady, you don't look it up. Grady, you'll be you'll be my saving grace here since Harmon has to be right all the time. 187 games played. How many goals has Joe Thornton scored in those 187 playoff games? Most of which came when he was a top-line producer for the San Jose Sharks. Every playoff series for a good stretch of his career – he at least scored 20 goals in the regular season. How many goals through 187 games? Chat, get involved. Don't look it up. 187 games played. How many goals has Joe Thornton scored in his NHL career? Playoff career. Playoff career. Excuse 12. Me. 12. That's really low. No, it's not 12. It's not 12. It's 32 in 187 games played as a top flight center, like the guy in San Jose. And that's how you get a nickname. Like no show Joe. But to be fair, he was a playmaker pass first guy. Okay, how many assists? 187 games. How many assists? Harmon, did you just look again? (laughs) I saw you looking at your computer. (laughs) Well, I knew the overall point total, so it wouldn't have been too hard. Well, Uh, it was a perennial playoff. The Sharks were perennial playoff chokers there for a while, right? Off the back of no show Joe. That's your captain. Okay, Grady, 187 games played. How many assists did Joe Thornton get? Do overall points. No, That's no, not league. overall points. Assists. He had, well, I already told you, he had 32 goals. How many assists? Because he's this great playmaker. 77. 
102 and the chat oh i'm so off well no they're not that off you made it hype it up like it was way worse no no well it is bad i mean those are bad playoff 134 numbers. points in 187 playoff games as a number one center is not good as no. a guy who produced in the regular season like point per game player in the regular season that is how you get the nickname no show joe that's how you do it and look to throw Elias Patterson in that conversation i don't think that's fair and can we just clarify one thing? They're not going to qualify him and let him walk. I've seen that. Out it won't there. happen. Disturbed. I'm sorry, man. Thank you for chiming in, but it's not happening. Yeah. And just Frank Cervalli's been on the show to talk about this as well. It's just like, if it gets to that point, they're going to be floating him out in trades. And look, exactly. we've heard from Jim Rutherford, even who unprompted in an interview brought up making a trade when he was asked about Elias Patterson. I, I think Jim might've misspoke a little bit there, but also he may have just been saying like pretty bluntly without saying it bluntly. Yeah. If we can't figure something out, he's going to get traded and look, it, it has to end that way. If, if he's not, if he doesn't want to sign in Vancouver, it has to end that way. You're not going to qualify and keep him yeah. for one year. Let's see what we got for one more year and try and convince him before UFA. No, you're going to get a lot if you go out and make a trade. And again, that's months away. I don't, I don't even know how we brought it up or how it got brought up. I think someone in the chat, but uh, yeah, it was a uh, good stuff. Good stuff. And we'll get there. Um, okay. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm go. so glad, by the way, that Quinn Hughes had a good playoff run in that bubble year. Otherwise, oh, yeah. can you imagine all the other media, especially outside of Vancouver, oh, being yeah. like, oh, he's having a great regular season, but can you win in the playoffs with a five foot ten defenseman? <laughs> yeah. Dude, that would 110% be oh, the takes. It's probably going to be the takes in a couple months' I time. Know. Or if they get bounced in the first or second round, that's 100% going to be the take. 
maybe even from local media, but I digress. Uh, okay, we, we heard that JT Miller was skating with Elias Lindholm today at practice. We don't know any of the line combos because Tom needed to talk to the other Tom. Um, so he wasn't there. Nobody was there to tweet out the line. So we don't know the lines, but I'm curious what it's going to look like if JT Miller is playing with Elias Lindholm. The thing you and I were throwing out was probably P.S. Suter, JT Miller, and Elias Lindholm is a line, and Ilya Mikheyev, Elias Patterson, and Brock Besser is a line. I think that's what we're going to see next time. Uh, next time the Canucks play, which is tomorrow morning against Detroit, 10 a.m. start. Uh, make sure you note the early, early start time there, folks. It's my birthday weekend. I got to watch back-to-back games. My birthday is on Sunday, and I got to watch a game there too. And the Super Bowl. Busy time. Uh, oh, no. I'm, I think a lot of people feel bad that you have to watch watch a Canucks game. Well, I wouldn't well, if, what so a it job if it wasn't job. work. <laughs> How old are you turning? Uh, 24. Ooh. Yeah. Um, people were asking our Super Bowl picks. Grady, who's, do, are, do you, pay att- you pay attention to football more than we do. Who's your Super Bowl pick? Moderately. I just, yeah, I don't like betting against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's my pick. Chiefs. You don't bet against yeah, greatness. Got, yeah, Chiefs. All right, everybody's got Chiefs. I, I wanted the Eagles to win last year. Yeah, I think overall the Niners have a more impressive roster on both sides and probably, you know, some better offensive weapons, especially at the running back. But time and time again, Patrick Mahomes, like throughout this whole yeah. uh, NFL playoffs, he's underdog against the Ravens. He's underdog the game before. And now he's back in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they just win. Like they, the Chiefs just win. That's they, how football works. They were underdogs last year against the Eagles yeah. and they won. Yeah, they're going to win again. By the way, friend of the show, did you see Moj? talking yes. to the oh, rock yes so good that was electric oh that was awesome Moj talking to the rock oh we get you know what Moj is a regular i think i've mentioned this regular viewer of this show like Moj will watch the show and then sits beside me in the press box at rogers arena when i go and he always has a take about something we've said or he tells me to dress better or that we need to coordinate our outfits was one thing was that that stretch of time where we alternated wearing a suit or sweats. It was one of us was in a suit, <laughs> the other was in a sweat because one of us was heading to the game. Moj is awesome. Uh, and you know what? That actually transitions well into my next point. Um, and it's a bit more serious. Obviously, we like to have a lot of fun on this show. And I was talking to you about it, Harm, before the show. But I did want to talk about this because we didn't talk about it yesterday. Uh, the layoffs at Bell Media yesterday, as everybody said on Twitter, a dark day in the industry. Um, not great timing, obviously, uh, with Bell Less Talk Day being, what was it, a month ago, a couple weeks ago? Not great, uh, because there's a lot of people right now that are either out of work or people that still have jobs, but don't know if they are going to lose their jobs at some point. And they really don't know what the future is going to hold for them. It's going to be a really tough time for a lot of people. And obviously, our hearts go out to all of those people. But what I did want to say today was to all of the students, because I had three people reach out to me, three, which is crazy. Um, Three people reach out to me and say, hey, I wanted to get in this industry. I still want to. Why should I try to get in this industry? Like, why, why would I try to get into an industry that by all accounts and what I'm seeing is dying? An industry that is going through such a transition period that people en masse, 4,800 people yesterday, Harm, were out of work in this industry yesterday. Why should I try and get in this industry? And I was trying to come up with an answer and I thought about it a lot and I leaned on some people that I have regular conversations with and I want to give a shout out to a few of those people today. But the thing that I really wanted to mention is just that what I've concluded is that 
the media industry and sports media and all that, and this wasn't all sports media, obviously, but sports media is the context that I'm speaking in because obviously we saw the layoffs that have happened in this city as well. Sports media is changing. I disagree that it's dying. I think there's always going to be a, and something Ian McIntyre told me very, very early into my career, and I'm going to talk about a few people who I talked to early, early in my career. Ian McIntyre told me this. He said, there's always going to be a desire for information people want to know like Canucks fans they want to know things about their team they want to know things about the team so there's always going to be a desire for good information there's always going to be a desire for good content you look at all the people Nuckhead is always in our chat Nuckhead I checked out his channel he he makes videos just you know I don't know where you know where he's doing them from but you assume he's not doing them in a studio with a big setup or anything like there are people that can do this job from home. We did this job from home. Chris and I used this podcast started in an empty bedroom in my grandfather's house. That's where this podcast started, right? Like you don't have to go the traditional route. God knows I didn't, right? You didn't either. Like we've talked about our schooling. I got one, well, I did English because I thought I was going to be a high school English teacher and I loved writing. So I had my year at SFU that I did. And you know, you did like nursing, right? Like yeah, our, schooling, our schooling isn't, well, isn't in this industry. I did a year of radio, but I'm going to talk about that. But I think, and I'm not saying schooling's, you don't need to go through school because a lot of the people that reach out to me are in school right now. That's a great, that's great that you're starting there. But I, I, I was talking to, a few people that were saying like, I'm in school for this and I'm terrified. I'm terrified that this industry is changing. I'm terrified of trying to find a job in this ever-changing industry. And all I can say to those people is, I know it's scary. Like I know it's, I know it's a scary proposition to have to try to enter a field that looks like it's just, just heading in the wrong direction. But what I will say is there are companies that are focusing on local content. And I'm not trying to pat us on the back. Obvious, look, people can see, obviously, Nation Network and Canucks Army were one of those companies that is focusing on local content. You've got The Athletic as well, right? Like, Athletic is investing in Vancouver by investing in you and Tom, right? There are companies that are still doing this, that are still doing it, and they're investing, and they're switching the way they do things. If you try to run things the way you did in the 1970s and the 1980s with terrestrial radio... And you approach it like that and say, okay, this isn't working. We need to close up shop. We need to lay everybody off. If you try to approach it that way, you're going to run into problems. You are. And I'm not trying to sit here on some throne and say, look how great our company is or anything like that. That's absolutely not what I'm trying to do. Absolutely not. I'm just saying that there are companies that are making the transition to digital. There are companies that are finding ways to give you local content and try to make it profitable so that it can continue right and trying to make it so that fans aren't getting the short end of the stick because when there's layoffs like these fans and the consumers are the ones that pay the biggest price nhl teams are are they can afford to have their own media but are you getting the best possible content when that's the case i would argue not especially not at this current stage with how everything is kind of set up right you want that local content you want that objective kind of um reporting that happens right there there's a quote i don't know who it's from but there was a quote that i always think about is in-house reporting or something to that effect is public relations and journalism is journalism like in-house journalism is public relations and outside 
is journalism. And I look at it in that context because you're seeing a lot of it, right? Like you're seeing a lot of these, you know, these big companies and I'm not even talking about in-house content or anything like that. Um, and I, I hope that doesn't come across as any sort of shot at, you know, Faber, who's obviously doing in-house content. They do a great job. Obviously, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying that you need that local media to continue to thrive. And while it's changing, there's always going to be a level of desire for information in any market. And I, I just say to all those people out there that are wondering if they should get into this industry, um, if they should, you know, continue to pursue this, I would say if, if it's your goal to, you know, get into the chairs we're sitting in right now, or, well, maybe not these chairs, but <laughs> if you're trying to get into sports media, like give it your best shot. And if you don't know where to start, like my DMs are open, I think on Twitter, um, find a way to contact me because I've been talking to a few people lately. Tyson Cole is a prime example. Tyson came to me and said, Hey, I want to start in this industry. I don't know where to start. And I got him started in the right path. Two months later, after he started doing good work somewhere else, I said, wow, he's doing good work somewhere else. I'm going to bring him on to Canucks Army. And now he writes for Canucks Army, right? There are ways to make a name for yourself in this business. Um, and again, I just, I, I feel for all the people that have lost their jobs, but I, I really hope it doesn't, um, it doesn't discourage too many people the way that it seems like it has um, just in the conversations that I've had with some people that are in the, in the schools right now and coming through the industry. I know it, I know it, it seems very daunting, but sports media is changing. It's not dying. It's not dying. I, I stand by that. I, I don't think this industry is dying. I just think it's changing a lot. Yeah. And I mean, you see it with the way that when 1040 first shut down, look at the way the Donnie Dolly adapted. There you go. Halford and Prof is still one of the Price top in this studio. shows. Yeah. yeah. So if there's a market for it, market for it if there's an audience for the work that you're doing there'll you might the the format or the way that it's delivered delivered might change but there's still going to be a medium there's still going to be a platform and this is my other piece of advice to all of the people um all of the people that are in this position where they're trying to figure out what to do the best one of the best pieces of advice because i've gotten a lot of advice and i don't want to just nail it to one but one call i had very early on in my career was with rick dollywall and you know you just mentioned donnie dolly it was with rick dollywall one of the first conversations i ever had in my career and i said to rick i want to be a writer i'm good at writing i've started blogging at the canuck way at the time and i want to just grow in writing and rick said okay well how are you on air i was like well not great i don't like the sound of my voice i don't think i'll ever want to be on air i don't think i'll ever want to do a podcast i don't think i ever want to do that i just want to write And Rick said, the best thing you can do in this industry is be able to do everything. Become a jack of all trades. Be able to do whatever it is that you need to do to, I don't even want to use the word survive because it sounds very dramatic, to stand out, right? Like, what, what can you do to stand out? And here I am. Now we're five days a week doing this podcast. I wouldn't have thought I would have done this when I started in this career. I really, I, I, honest to God, I hated the sound of my own voice. And I know a lot of people have to kind of get over that. And the advice I got from Dollywall was go to radio school if you don't like it. Like if you don't like it and you don't know how to do it, go to BCIT, go learn how to do some stuff in radio. And that's where I ended up. I went to BCIT. I did the radio program for one year and then I got offered my current job and I took it. But I did learn a lot. I learned a lot at BCIT when I was there. And again, this isn't an advertisement for BCIT. I know we've been doing a lot of ads lately. It's just me saying that if you're out there and you're discouraged by what you've seen, 
I completely understand it, but I am going to stress to you that sports media is evolving and it is not dying. And, and another example of this that I always point to is Jeff Patterson. Jeff Patterson, not to age him, he's been in the business for a very long time. Do you think 30 years ago, 20 years ago, I don't want to age him too much. 20 years ago, do you think Jeff Patterson was thinking, okay, there's going to be a time when I need to write, do a show, a post-game show, and I'm going to film Canucks practices and post it on this thing called Twitter. No chance. And that's what I started to think about was, I saw Jeff at training camp before he was even with Canucks Army. Jeff's recording practices and morning skates, and he's uploading them to Twitter. And it'd be really easy as a guy like Jeff, who has been in the industry for a while, right? Has seen a lot of turnover, all that sort of stuff. It'd be really easy for Jeff to say, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'll leave that to the blogs. I'll leave that to the, you know, the up and comers. They, I'm not gonna, I'm not recording and posting stuff on Twitter. I'm, I'm at practice. I, I write and I do radio. That's what I do. It'd be really easy for that. But Jeff reinvented himself and he's had to do it many times. And that's someone I look up to a lot uh, is Jeff Patterson. And again, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to continue on this for too much longer. I just wanted to get it out there that I, I understand being discouraged, but I would not suggest giving up. And if look, if, if you've been thinking about it and you don't know where to start, shoot me a message. I've been helping a few people out right now. Um, and yeah, I just, I just want people to know that it's not, it's not dying. Like it's, it's not, it's not dying. There's always going to be a want for information. You look at how many people watch this show, how many people consume the content at Canucks army. It is not dying. This industry is not dying. Well said, man. Yeah. And we should point out today is uh, three years since 1040 was shut there down. And to your point, Quads, about the media industry is not dying. It's in a transitional phase. And it's never been easier for people to make their own content and get their voice out there. Whether that's a YouTube channel, you know, you start tweeting. Shout out to Tyson Cole. You start writing about the team. Just like pro sports, man, talent will be found. There's always someone watching you. And, you know, you can't take the mindset, well, you know, there's no more radio or there's no more television. It's all in a transitional phase. Traditional newspaper has become blogging. It's become Canucks Army. Traditional radio has become podcasting, right? Traditional television is now streaming. There's always going to be a spot for people to hone their craft. And, you know, you get to one day work your way up in the ranks. Like, look at you two, for example, David. You started at the Canuck way, right? And now you're managing editor of Canucks Army. So, you know, don't, for anyone that wants to get in the industry, yeah, it can be challenging at times and discouraging from all the layoffs, but don't give up. If this is really something you want to do, believe me, I've been in it for almost 10 years now. I've never really felt like I've had to work. It's always been, well, there's been some days here and there, but it's such a fun job. And the people you get to meet along the way just make the job so much better. Um, look at a guy like Canucks Clay, right? Started out his own YouTube channel. Now he's hosting daily, nightly live streams. There's there's so many people out there that um, you know are trying their hand in, and I give full credit to them because you won't you won't know what you have until you go actually give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. Right. So Nick P in the chat here. Uh, there's a lot, and look, we appreciate all the messages. There's there's a lot of kind things in the chat, and I just want to read out a few of them. Uh, you know, Nick P said this. The thing about shows like this is that it comes from a place of passion rather than corporate slop driven by Toronto. Viewers can tell the difference. Obviously, we were both very passionate, both very hyper-focused on local. Someone asked if we were uh, if we were in affiliation with Sportsnet. And someone else said, 
if they were, then it would be all Leafs and all baseball, all Blue Jays all the time. And uh, well, that's the commission that Kwan <laughs> said. Oh, so they are with sports <laughs> because Kwan all the time is talking about the Leafs. But and that's baseball. the beauty of independence and having uh, you know companies like GoGo Sports, for example, that started rinkwide and started scare some price Nation Network. They're investing in these shows. They're putting money back into the stream. Uh, you know, we don't do this for free. Like at the end of the day, the bills have to be paid. And, you know, you want to get to that point where you can be monetized and bring in an audience. And ultimately, personality is going to sell at the end of the day. And I think more than anything, you want to be able to entertain people. And that's what I, especially myself, I take pride in. I, sometimes you just put out takes just for the sake of um, harm your following. Look at you. You've been one of the up and coming writers in this market. And now you're, you know, one of the premier analytical guys, you've kind of carved out your niche. Everyone has that little avenue and path that they can excel in. But at the same time, as you said earlier, quads, like if you're in broadcasting school, learn how to run a camera, learn how to switch, learn how to write social media copy, right? Yeah. Understand programs like we use here with StreamYard. You know, there's so much that you can learn. And a lot of this is on YouTube too. Like you can, it's all out there for you. And Ty David, I like this one. Radio stations are expensive to run, but Quad's grandfather's basement suite is free. And you you were at Nono's house back in yeah. the day. I just talked to him. He was trying to tell me about uh, what's going on in wrestling right now with Roman Reigns and The Rock. Big controversy right now in uh, WWE. And my Nono told me about it today. So, But anyways. that's the thing too. Like these big companies, at the end of the day, it's about dollars and cents. And if they can, you know, not pay their overhead of staff and have a button presser for one show that's all pre-recorded that's what they're going to do but you know it shows you that people are rebelling like look look what the talk about is about the corporations right now and i'm not going to get into the weeds here about it but you know that's why people are looking for different outlets nowadays is because they want to find you know their niche topics and not just have maple leafs raptors leafs jam down their throats 24 7 yeah yep all right um anything to add Harmon? No, I think you guys summed it up pretty well. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, there was one more that I wanted to get. Someone said, what's with the lighting on harm screen? We tried something, folks. We tried to let natural light in to the studio. Yeah, the camera setting was a, a bad funny. decision. It didn't I was trying to adjust it on the fly, but uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. what was going we'll on? I couldn't see it. Uh, it was like your Nashville hotel room. It got oh, yeah? very dark. You go light and dark. <laughs> yeah, it got very dark. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's close it out here. Let's get to our bet way. Bet of the day. And folks, yeah, I hope I didn't ramble on too much. Apologies if that went on a little longer than I wanted it to, but I just wanted to say that and make sure that was uh, clear for everybody. Okay, let's get to our Betway Bet of the Day brought to you by our friends over at Betway. All right. You see it, Harm? I do. My wagon ducks. To beat the Edmonton Oilers, the Oilers are losing two straight. You heard it here first, folks. A $10 bet at plus 225 odds returns you $32.50 over at Betway must be 90 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Look, I know the vibe meter was off yesterday. And I, dude, I I rarely miss, right? Like if I miss, it's rare. I missed yesterday by picking the Canucks to beat the Bruins. You know what I didn't take into account? The Bruins coach called them out after losing to Calgary. They were always going to be winning that game. And I can't believe I, my vibe meter didn't pick up that. I just, that was me just not, I hadn't heard. I hadn't heard the Jim Montgomery thing. I didn't know, uh, didn't know it was coming, and I should have. I should have, but the vibe meter is telling me that, uh, yeah, I don't know. You'd think that after a loss like that, I would say, oh, I better go with the favorite. No, vibe meter is ring, 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 telling me Anaheim Ducks to take on the Edmonton Oilers. Take them down. 
Let's go. Your your boy Frank Vitrano is gonna need a big night. Yeah, and my uh, what's that defenseman's name? The Russian. That's guy? my guy. Oh Minchikov. yeah, that's right. What's his name? Pavel Minchikov. Love him. Love him. And Lucas. Uh, How can you love somebody solve? you don't even know the name of? Yeah. Like, what the hell? Tough to remember. It's a hard <laughs> name to remember. Okay. All right. Mason uh, McTavish is actually my guy on the Ducks. Yeah. How about Leo Carlson? What's he doing now? He's really good. He's been centering their top line when he hasn't been hurt or early in the season when it when it was the Ducks did like a load management thing. Yeah. They didn't want him playing every game, which I think is an interesting experiment. But he's when he's been on the ice, he's actually winning his five and five matchups in terms of shot share and expected goals. He's he's put up like okay point totals, not first line center point totals, but if you're an 18 year old center and you're at least holding your own, you're not getting crushed on uh, on a bad on a bad team. Mm-hmm. That's pretty damn impressive. He's gonna going to be, a, I think, a franchise center. Franchise center for a wagon of a team. Karan Quad's favorite NHL player is Bobby McMahon. And for those that are new here, <laughs> I once famously said, "Who the hell is Bobby McMahon?" On Do you remember show? who was playing on Austin Matthews' wing when the Canucks last played the Leafs? Oh. Was it? It wasn't McMahon. No, I don't know. No. no, tell me. Pontus Holmberg. Who the hell is Pontus Holmberg? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Add him to the list. Well, that's exactly why I asked that question. Yeah. Because there's no chance that uh, you'd get it. Holm- Pontus. He's not on that line anymore, but. All right. <laughs> it's close enough. But no, you have something else about Pontus Holmberg? <laughs> yeah, no. It, like, it's the equivalent of when Lafferty was playing on the top line to Pedersen for a bit. Ah. Uh, so super successful and sustainable. <laughs> exactly. What can you tell me about Pontus Holmberg and his five-on-five matchups? How's he doing? Is he winning his battles? Well, the Leafs' bottom six as a whole, or I mean, forget the bottom six. They're not getting any scoring outside of Matthews, Nylander, and Marner. I love it. The vibe meter told you that was going to happen, too. They had the All-Star break. They won the All-Star game and like, oh my gosh, we can check out. (laughs) Classic Leafs, classic Leafs. All right, we'll close it out. We'll talk more Leafs on Monday as people are dying to hear on this show. For our technical producer, Grady Sass, and my co-host, Harmon Dial. My name is Dave Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads brought to you by the Toyota BZ4X. The BZ4X's fresh look is just an added bonus to its range since you can drive up to 406 kilometers on a single charge. That's enough to get you from Kitsilano to Whistler or Kamloops to Kelowna and back and still be home in time for the game. Now that's what we'd call electric the best part by choosing electric you can get up to eleven thousand dollars in rebates and incentives the bz4x are in stock and selling quickly so make sure to visit shoptoyota.ca or your local pacific toyota dealer to get your hands on one canucks conversation is live monday through friday every weekday at 2 p.m over on the canucks army youtube channel make sure you like subscribe and interact in the youtube live chat every day with us folks Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier, on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us, marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts.